different verses throughout uh, and what we're wanting to try and do is to help us have them in our memories so that if at some time it comes up we're able to just speak it because it's there. So last week it was a really very sad start to the sermon last week because we started off with the verses and not many people knew them. So rather than put myself through that torture again, we're not going to quite do it that way this time. What I'm going to try and get you to do is for you to tell me what are the verses and then we're going to say them together as they go on the screen. Different tact we're going to take today. So let's see if we can get this part. Who can remember what the very first verse to hang your life on was? Well done. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. It's going up on the screen and we're going to say it all together. So that will be helpful. So remember it. And so everyone doesn't feel, I don't know this, but you will know it. All right, what does it say? So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That makes me feel a lot better than last week. All right, that was the first one. What was the second one that we did? It was still in Genesis. Uh, It's a summary one though. So Genesis chapter 12, verses we had two, one to three. So one to three, Genesis chapter 12, verses one to three. And we made it into a little bit of a summarised version. So let's go. God's people in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the world. Well, nations, that's good. Uh, same concept. Uh, got that? God's people, God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the nations. Now that really is the theme verse for the whole of the Bible. Uh, that's what the rest of the Bible is all about. It's about God bringing his people together to live under his rule uh, to be a blessing to the world. So uh, it's a great verse to know because uh, if you want to tell people what it is the Bible about, well, that's what it's about and then the Bible works out how does God do that. Uh, so the next verse is how God does that in one sense. It's still in, uh, in the Old Testament. Who can remember where that was? Isaiah 53.6. Well done. Colin Buchanan has immortalised this. Uh, You ready? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sing it. There you go. That's a good way of remembering it. Songs are an excellent way to remember things. Okay, so that was the third week. Now we're pushing on. So... God wants to have his people in his place under his rule. Uh, He does that through a suffering servant that he lays uh, our sin upon. And then we find out that that servant is in Mark, what? 10 verse 45. Karen Mormon's got him sussed. Uh, Yeah, Mark 10 verse 45. This is about Jesus, isn't it? So let's say that together. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. And that Son of Man is Jesus, came to give his life for us, uh, to bring people into God's kingdom, to live under his rule, to be a blessing to the world. So we did that one. And then last week we looked at there's a choice for us, isn't there, in regards to whether we take that or we don't take that. And so we looked at what verse in the Bible? Apart from Karen Mormon, anyone else? Well done, Jane. Romans chapter 6, verse 30, 23. Oh, I missed one. Jump down. Oh, I did. Go backwards one. We'll go to the Matthew one first. Look at that. Even I've forgotten there was one in between. Woo! So there was a Matthew one, wasn't there? There was Matthew 6, uh, verse 33. 
uh, which is about how to live, where we should have our focus in our life. It's uh, on God's kingdom. So if we're going to live under the servant, we need to live for his kingdom. Uh, so that says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, now go Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Flick her up. Romans 6.23 which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is eternal life. I got that wrong. Let's try it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Cake or death? Life or death? What do you take? What do you choose? Uh, those of you last week will know what the cake or death was about. If you weren't here last week, just go... Phew. It's all right, it's not over the top. Um, so that's it, that's the six ones there. So we're going to look at uh, Galatians. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Galatians. We're not going to quite go to that passage just yet, but it's Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. If you flick through, you'll find, uh, get to the New Testament, to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and then work you through Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and then you'll hit Galatians is the next one along. If you can't find it there, just open up the index at the front. I reckon that's always... an a good way to find things and I use it quite frequently. Uh, so open up the, and you'll find Galatians. And we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5 today. Uh, but if you've got any uh, idea what happens, Galatians is a book written to the people of Galatia by a guy called Paul. And you could almost put a title to this whole book is Freedom in Jesus. Uh, because what Galatians is doing is Paul's writing to a church that's had a whole lot of people come into it and they've tried to tell them that oh, you've heard about Jesus but you haven't got it quite right yet. Uh, you need Jesus and you need to follow the Jewish law. You need Jesus and you need to be circumcised, is what they're saying. So uh, there's a group of people coming in, they're trying to confuse them. They said, you've heard about Jesus, you might have put your trust in Jesus but look, you haven't got quite got it all yet. You need something extra. Uh, and so... Paul comes in and tells them, that's not true. That is a load of hogwash. All you need is Jesus. Believe and trust in Jesus and you will have life. It's Jesus plus nothing else. Jesus alone is all it's about. If you put your trust in him, if you believe in him, then there's nothing else. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus alone, faith alone in him and you know Jesus through scripture alone. Uh, they're the three great tenets of the Reformation, if you ever know any church history. It's uh, Jesus alone, faith alone, scripture alone, the three things. And Paul comes in and says that's it. So don't add anything else to it. And don't let anyone else tell you that you need to add anything else to it. So it's just Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus following the law. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus speaking in tongues. It's not Jesus plus some extra spiritual experience. It's not Jesus plus you have to stick to evangelical doctrine. You see, sometimes we can aim up at everyone else, can't we? But sometimes I think we, who sit in what we would say the evangelical part of the church, seem to say, well, you've got to believe in Jesus, but you've got to believe what we believe about Jesus and how we understand the Bible. Paul doesn't say that. Now, it's a good thing to understand how to read the Bible. It's good to have that sorted by no means. But it's not what saves you. It's Jesus alone. Can I encourage you, if anyone tells you anything different than that, 
What Paul says to them, he says, go and emasculate themselves. Go and castrate themselves is what he says. That's how serious he is about it. And that's how serious we should be about it too. So if anyone else tells you that it's Jesus plus anything else, say, I'm sorry, but that's wrong and I'm not going to believe you. It's not it. Because if you add anything else to Jesus, you are taking away from the cross. Then Jesus' death on the cross isn't sufficient. You've got to have something else. I've had people come up and tell me that I'm not spiritual enough because I haven't had a second filling of the Holy Spirit. I haven't had some extra spiritual experience. Paul says in Galatians, hogwash. Jesus and Jesus alone. And then he goes on to explain that, that we need to hold on to that because that is the only thing that is going to change us and transform us and shape us. We need to hold on to that. And so in Galatians chapter 5, he comes in and tells us that we need to trust in Jesus and it's all about him. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, he says, and that works out in that we love one another. Uh, it's funny because Paul uh, uses the difference between the ten words, which is the ten commandments, and the ten, it's called the ten words, and he says, but actually there's only one word, it's love. It works out in loving God and loving one another. That's it. But how do we do that? That's tough, isn't it? How do we do that? How do we actually live a life of love? It's not an easy thing to do. You try doing it. Live in a family for a little while. It's tough, isn't it? It's not easy to live a life of love. So how do we do that? Well, this is where Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through to 23 is a fantastic passage because in a sense it pulls together Paul's whole argument and says there's a key to it. Here, is, here it is. So let's have a look at it together. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 23. Betty, are you reading that for us? That would be great. So verses 16, 23, you'll see it on the screen, but feel free to have it as well. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> 16 to 23, would it? So I see, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary, contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Pits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
Thanks, Betty. Uh, well, if you have a look at that, uh, it's an interesting little passage, isn't it? There's lots of good stuff in there. Uh, but you can see from verses 16 through to 18 there, you notice that what Paul is saying to us is that there's a conflict going on in our lives, isn't there? He says, uh, verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit. Then in verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit world is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not know what you want. So what Paul is saying to us, that uh, in when, who we are, in what he means by flesh, it means just our body in a sense, not the flesh part of it, but who we are inside in a sense. There is a conflict going on with our old self before we knew Jesus and our new self when we do know Jesus. Our old self when we just live to serve ourselves and our new self as we want to live to serve Jesus. And there's this conflict that's going on within us and there's a battle that's happening and that battle continues on with us. Uh, Even though as Christians we know that Jesus has taken our sin and he's nailed it to the cross. And in verse 24 he says that we should do the same, that we need to nail it to the cross. But there is in a sense that there is still that old part of us that still wants to boil up and get out and take over. And there's a battle going on. I read this quote the other day which I think put it quite well. It says, when we put our trust in Jesus, the flesh or our old self was dealt a mortal wound. But every now and then it will convulse and rise up and cause destruction. But never give it mouth to mouth. Pile more stones on its tomb. It's a good way, isn't it? Never give it mouth to mouth. Don't try and bring it back up to life again. Uh, When we've put aside the stuff of our old self, living our way, not God's way, and not the way he desires to, don't suddenly go, well, I want to bring that back to life and give it mouth to mouth. Don't go and pull it down off the cross and start using again. Leave it there. Let it die. Don't bring it back to life. Uh, It's a good way of thinking about it, isn't it? But that conflict goes on in us. And if we're honest with each other, all of us will say here today that none of us have got it sussed. That each of us struggle with it at different times, don't we? There's stuff in our life that we think, man, I wish I didn't keep doing that. It keeps coming back. It's hard. It's a battle. It's a conflict. And Paul says there is an answer, but he's not going to give it to you yet. Until he gives us the answer, he says, look at the contrast between the two lives. There's two lives that you can live, one for the old flesh or one for the spirit, the new life. You can either live for the old way you used to live or you can live for the spirit, the new way, for God. And so he gives us two different pictures of that to show the contrast. And they're pretty stark pictures, aren't they? It's like when you put something bright up against a black background. It really brings the light out, doesn't it? And so this is what he does. So first of all, he paints the black background for us in verses 19 there. So this is the contrast. He says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgy and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying if you continue in this frame, if you continue to live this way, then you're going to continue to live against God's way and God's going to ultimately have to deal with you. That's what his last verse is saying. But he's saying it's a contrast here, isn't it? In one sense, he's brought it into four little categories. I'll help summarise it for you. Uh, the first one, uh, sexual sins or pornea. 
is the word that Paul uses there right at the beginning. And that's just any sexual act that isn't the way that God designed us to be. And the way that God designed us to be was in a loving male-female relationship that lasts forever, a marriage. He says, sex within, that's great. Go for it. Enjoy it. Love it. It's a wonderful thing. He says, outside of that, then it's a destructive thing. You see, what Paul is saying here is this life that we used to live, these things that he's going to put up to us are actually destructive to either you, the society, or your relationship with God. And if they're destructive to you and society, then they're going to be destructive to your relationship with God. So that's why he puts them there. He says, if you want to go down this path, they're going to be destructive to you. Uh, actually, I think when you read all those things, it's almost like just picking up the latest magazine off the shelf, isn't it? Just about the whole rest of the magazine you read, it's all about all these things, isn't it? And to a point, all these things are highlighted as the way to live. You think, but when you start to read the lives of the people that live this way, they're just a mess. So the first one he says is sexual sins, sexual deviances, those that are against what God decides to do and they're going to be destructive to you. Secondly, he says religious stuff that's against what God wants, religious things. He says idolatry and witchcraft. Uh, idolatry is when we put anything in front of God and make that number one in our lives. Uh, Sam West isn't here this morning, but I'm sure he'd be happy with me telling you this story. Uh, Sam and I were sitting down on Thursday and having a bit of a chat and he'd read a passage about idolatry and he said his mind started to head off in different directions. And as he started thinking about that, he was thinking, I wonder if I've made Evan's head an idol. I just love it. I love living in Evans here. It's wonderful. It's a fantastic place. I'll live here for the rest of my life. It's just beautiful. And he says, I wonder whether I've actually made Evans head an idol. It's interesting, isn't it? And then we started talking about it. And I think that in Australia, we have made comfort or lifestyle an idol, haven't we? That is what we live for. That is what people in the cities live for. That's what the people in the country, we all live for that lifestyle so that we can live in a place or in a way in which we feel really happy and comfortable. And that's our goal, our drive. We work for it, we live for it, we drive for it, we do everything just about for it. And it's going to let us down, guys. It rains in Evan's head a lot. (laughs) It's going to let you down, isn't it? As soon as you put that in, it's going to be devastating for you. It's going to be destructive to you because your things are going to be outside of what God desires for you. Witchcraft. Now, you might say that witchcraft is around, but there are wickers in, in, in Evans Head. There's a coven around this area. Uh, witchcraft is real. It's out there. And in a sense, anything, what witchcraft really is, is trying to tap into some other power or power and use some type of incantation to try and get that power to do what you want them to do. That's what witchcraft is in the Bible. It's trying to use some incantation to try and get a power to do what you want them to do. Now, we probably don't see that ourselves too much, but sometimes I think we've got to be careful that we don't do that with God. That we don't think if we just use this special type of prayer, then God's going to do what I want him to do. Or even if I'm going to live this special type of life, then God's going to do for me what I want him to do. We need to be careful of that because there is teaching out there that tries to do that for us. Uh, there was a prayer of Jabez a few years ago went circling around. If you pray this prayer, then you will be successful and you will be prosperous. Just repeat this prayer, infinitum. What are you trying to do? You're trying to be a puppet on God, aren't you? If I do this, God, then you're going to do this for me. God doesn't work this way. God blesses us beyond our belief and we don't need to try and manipulate him. So we need to be careful that way too, don't we? 
So there's uh, sexual deviancies, there's religious deviancies and then there's relationship deviancies, isn't there? He goes on, he says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions. So it's when we actually destroy relationships around us and destroy people by those relationships. And they're destructive, aren't they? They are destructive to how we relate to one another. And then finally he says, there's drinking deviancies. Drunkenness and orgies. I'm not too sure why he puts those two together, but I think one maybe leads to the other. And that's a challenge in our Australian culture, isn't it? Because if we don't worship lifestyle, then we worship the drink. Go out and have a few beers with the guys. Now, one or two beers, is the Bible doesn't say anything against. Great thing to do. But drunkenness, when we lose our control, because it leads to discord and it leads to destruction, doesn't it? Do you know that alcohol is the greatest destructive drug in our society. If you look at what it causes in regards to the breakdowns in families and what it causes in regards to crashes and all that sort of thing, if you put a money value on it, it has the highest value of any drug in our society. So the Bible tells us, God tells us that we shouldn't be drunk, we shouldn't get drunk because it causes that. You can have a drink in a, an appropriate situation, circumstance, it's okay. But to drink to the point where you can't control it, we're in trouble. And that's what he says that life is like, isn't it? He says if we don't live by the Spirit, we're going to live by the flesh, by our old nature, and that's what it's going to look like. And we can all sit here this morning and say, man, that world out there is bad, isn't it? But the Bible's saying, aiming at us. It's not just talking about what's out there. It's talking about what's in here. Because this stuff hits us, doesn't it? Because we battle with some of this stuff ourselves. You might be sitting here this morning, you might say, well, no, I'm not that, but I'm not, oh, but look at, oh, there's times in my relationships I haven't done that bit. Oh, there are moments when I've drunk too much. Oh, there, I am tempted to go out and have sex with every person I can find out in the street. Or I am tempted to, it's there, isn't it? It's in us. You see, the Bible doesn't go pointing out there. God speaks to here. Speaks to our hearts. And we can look at that and we can say, well, I don't want to be like that. But you might be even saying, well, I'm tempted to go back there. God says to us this morning, don't go and give sin mouth to mouth. Don't live this way. But how? How? How, Paul? How do we not live this way? Because it's there. It's around us. The world saturates us with us. We feel like that. There's temptation in us all the time. Paul, how do we not live that? He says, well, live by the Spirit. He says, look at the contrast here. This is what the lifestyle here, it's destructive. It destroys. But what about this lifestyle? Look at this one. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All those things that line up the frontier. We go, man, how good would that be to live that way, wouldn't it? I do want to love more. I do want to love people better. I desire to love people better. But gee, there are some people that really peeve me off and I find it really hard. But I want to love people better. Yes, I would desire joy. And there are moments in my life that I have joy and I feel that God really is there and I feel that and I experience that. But there are times when I don't. Peace. I want peace with God. I do feel peace with God most of the time, but there are just some moments in my life where I, I'm just not sure. 
kindness. I do desire to be kind to everyone around me. I do desire to try and help people out where I can. But man, there's some times I just want to sit by myself and do nothing and just indulge myself. Goodness, doing good is what that's about. It's about getting out and doing good to those that are around you. We want a desire to do that. We want to do that. But some people are hard to do that to. Faithfulness. I miss patience. Maybe there's a trick there. Patience. I do want to be patient too, don't I? You know, when I'm driving along the road and I'm heading to Balna and someone's sitting on 95, man, I want to get up the horn and honk them. It's 100 k's along here. Come on. I've got to be in Balna in the next 25 minutes and you're holding me up. Get out of the road. I need patience there. I went home at home. I just want to watch the footy and someone wants to watch Better Homes and Gardens. I need patience then. Whew. Well, the other night when someone texted me, how good was it that the Blues won? I needed patience then too. Oh, I need gentleness. I need faithfulness. I need self-control. We desire them, don't we? We do desire to have those. We do want them in our lives. We, we, we do see the darkness of living for the flesh, living for our old self. We do desire the spirit. We, we, we want this gift, of the, we want this fruit. You see, you notice that this is a fruit of the spirit. This is not fruits of the spirit. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's almost like this is like nine sides of a faceted diamond. Like just the nine sides. It's just one whole thing that this is here. And it just shines brilliance, doesn't it? And who does it shine the brilliance of? Who is this? Jesus, isn't it? That is who this is. This is Jesus. This is exactly how Jesus operates. This is exactly how Jesus lived. If we want to know how this is, Paul says to us that we need to drive into Jesus. You see, our temptation is we get these things, we look at these things and we think, right, okay, I've got a plan. I'm going to draw up a list. I'm going to have a plan. I'm not going to go into the... Uh, supermarket. I'm not going to go down that aisle where those uh, different magazines are. I'm going to put stuff on the computer so I don't look at pornography. I'm going to make sure that I don't... I'm going to draw up all these lists. And what happens with lists? We break them. What happens with New Year's resolutions? We break them. You see, as soon as we draw up lists, we're in trouble. Now, don't get me wrong, lists may be helpful at times, but if that is the one way we think we're going to live this way, nah, wrong. It doesn't work. But we have that temptation, don't we? We have this thing as we think, if we can sort of put it into this sort of general area here, if, we can, if we've got this vision of what a Christian is like, we'll put all these things over here and we'll start to try and do those things. Uh, I was listening to something the other day, a talk, and uh, this guy was telling us about a Bible college only a few years ago had, uh, at a Bible college, you'd think this would be a great place where really good stuff would be happening and uh, well, hopefully it was. But what they had at this Bible college was they had a code of conduct for their students. Now you might think that code of conduct might have been one page, it might have been enough. But this code of conduct was a manual, it was about this thick. 
And what it had in it, it had all these things that are decided that if you're going to be in this Bible college, then you need to have to do this and this and this. It had rules for what you had to wear. Uh, you can only wear certain clothes. Uh, you had to wear a bloke and you had a tie. Sorry, if you're a bloke, you had to wear a tie every day of the week, but you could cut loose at breakfast on Sunday morning and take it off. Woohoo! How good would you have been that morning? Take off that tie, blokes, because you're having breakfast. Uh, if you're a girl, you had to wear particular types of clothing. You could only wear a skirt on Saturday if there was baseball on in town. I don't know what the baseball's got to do with it, but you could only wear it if you're in town and you had baseball on. Uh, and then there was not only that, but you could only eat certain foods in certain places at certain times. You could only watch certain movies. You could never go to the movie theatre. You could only watch certain movies and they only had to be under PG. If you listened to music, then it had to be pre-1960. It had to be either general listening, uh, classical or something like that. Anything after 1960, then that's banned. You can't go there because it's... You can't go into rock and roll. You can't go to Screamo. You can't go to country and western. I agreed with that one. But you can't... You can't. <laughs> but it's ridiculous, isn't it? Do you see what happens? As soon as we start to draw up lists, where does the list stop? Where does it work out? And as soon as we start to think, what does a Christian look like? Then what happens to you and I is we start to say, well, if, are people matching that? And what do we fall into? Legalism. What do we fall into? That it's all about laws. But what Paul is saying to us here, that it's about relationship. It's all about Jesus. You see, the only way that we can have the character of Jesus is if we drive ourselves into him, if we get to know him better. You see, it's all about relationship. You need to know Jesus better. Our goal in life is not to be like Jesus. Now you might be saying, this is heresy. You see, our goal in life is to love Jesus is to grow, to love him more and more, is to develop that relationship. And if we develop that relationship with Jesus, then we will start to live like Jesus. It's the byproduct. It's not the goal. See the difference? And it's a huge difference, guys. Because that's what Paul's saying here. And the only way you will do that is if you are empowered and driven by the Spirit. We can't do it ourselves. Because what does he say there? Uh, Verse 25, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Back in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit. Verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit. You see, you always got to remember, the Holy Spirit's desire for you and I is that we love Jesus more. The whole aim of the Holy Spirit in you and I, whatever he does for us, whatever experience we get from it, whatever we see in him, whatever direction he takes us, wherever he leads us, he wants to lead us to grow a relationship with Jesus stronger and stronger and stronger because if we grow a relationship with Jesus stronger and stronger, then we will have the character of Jesus and we will have the fruit of the Spirit and it will be evident in you and I and we will shine. We will shine. We're so tempted to go back to lists, aren't we? We're so tempted to go back and if I can just box it here, then I've got it. But relationships aren't like that, are they? Relationships are time. Relationships are love. And that's the relationship that Jesus desires of us and that we need to desire with him. 
Can I encourage you? And I'm not going to give you a list of how to do that because that would just be contrary, wouldn't it? But can I encourage you to grow into Jesus, to push into Jesus? See, the more you push into the Jesus, the further sin gets away. The more we grow in Jesus, the more the old self is over here. Spend time with him. Take time out of your day just to meditate upon him. Get into the Word because that's where we find out about Jesus. We find out about him here. Get into it and take some time. Sit back and allow God to speak to you through it. Allow the Spirit to lead you and take your mind and take you to where Jesus to experience him. And then you will experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, peace, patience, joy. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control because they're Jesus. Drive into him because he's the best fruit of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's, a, uh, it's an amazing part of your Bible, this verse that we've looked at today and Lord, it's challenging. It really does grab us and because we do desire, Lord, to be more like you. We do want to be, to love you more and to experience you more so that we can exhibit you more in the fruit of your spirit in our lives, Lord. Lord, can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it through your power, by your spirit, Lord. Transform us, we pray, Lord. Ignite us, Lord, to want to know you and love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.